We're Michael and Chrissy Shedd, and we're here in Guatemala. And this is our family. We have lived here in Guatemala since 2011, and we are here to help teach people to love and follow Jesus with all of their hearts. Michael helps at a local ministry and teaches at their Bible Institute. God opened doors for us to lead a kids ministry to help children know and follow Jesus. Chrissy is part of a women's Bible study that they get together and study God's word and see how they can share God's love in a practical way in the community. We saw that there's a need for a good Bible curricula for kids. We wrote and developed over 160 stories to help kids learn the Bible. We also train church leaders how to teach God's Word to the kids in their communities. We train leaders through workshops at our ministry center and right in the churches where the kids are. We've delivered over 23,000 copies of the Adventures in the Bible resources to churches, ministries, children outreaches, and online downloads in over 30 countries. We also serve the people who come to our door by helping provide work for them, visiting them, providing food, buying the products they sell, and trying to help them see the love of Jesus. Right now, we're building a ministry center where we can live and continue reaching out to trained Guatemalans. Our dream is that this will be a place where people grow strong in God's Word and take what they learn to wherever God calls them to help others follow Jesus as well. Thank you for your support, prayers, and encouragement. You are helping us to continue doing what God has called us to, to disciple, to train up leaders, to develop the new generation here in Guatemala, to follow God with all their hearts, and we're excited to see what God's going to do with this. God bless you. Uh, give a hand and welcome Michael Shedd as he comes. It's great to have you in the house today, Michael. Welcome. Welcome home. Hey, uh, Michael and Christy and Reach World Mission is just one of our global outreach partners that through your generosity on an ongoing basis allows us as a church family to send support on an ongoing basis as well. And I want him just to kind of give you a quick greeting and then we're going to pray over him today. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Matthew. It's so good to be back. This um, is the church where I, I grew up, and um, it's great to see you guys because you guys are helping us. You guys have, look at your arms. If you guys just hold up an arm there real quick, look at that. You guys have really long arms. I calculated it's about 2,400 miles if you were to drive down through Mexico to get to where we are in Guatemala. So you guys have long arms that are reaching down there to help us tell people about Jesus, to help people to grow and be discipled and to learn God's way. So we're excited about that. Thank you for being there. And it was great to connect with the team that was just down there um, about a week ago, and we had a great time with them. We're building a place where more people can come to know Jesus and be trained up to be disciples who follow Jesus with all their hearts. So thank you. We appreciate you guys. Just want to say real quickly, on Thursday, we've got an activity at the Shed Farm. We're going to be um, at 6.30 in the evening. Uh, hanging out and just get a chance to share a little bit more about what we're doing. Um, and after service, I'm going to be out in the, in the um, entry area and would love to just connect with anybody who would like to hear more about what we're doing. So thank you guys. That's awesome. Hey, would you stretch your hands toward, toward Michael? And uh, yeah, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this gift that you have sent out into Guatemala. And so, Lord, we as a family and as a body, we just cover them right now in prayer. Lord, would you give a fresh anointing to Michael and Chrissy? Give them new vision. Uh, continue to stir uh, in them the gifts and the callings that you've placed in them. Continue to mature those things. May they continue to be beacons of light in that space and to those people. Lord, we pray that uh, you would continue to open doors, continue to provide, continue to make a way, Lord, where only you can make a way for your glory, for your namesake, and for your kingdom. We speak blessing over them today uh, in Jesus' name. And the family of God said, amen. Hey, can we love on him one more time? Thank you, Michael. Hey, if you got a copy of scripture, whether printed or digital, will you join me in Acts chapter 2? Uh, we began to walk through this book, kind of exploring and examining 
um, how this whole thing called the global church got started, how the mission of Jesus began, how he empowered his people to live it out, and how they went about doing good um, throughout their land, throughout their region for the name and glory of Jesus. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 42. And uh, this is what the word says. And Peter replied, each of you must repent. Somebody say repent. Of your sins and turn to God and be baptized. Somebody say baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift. Somebody say receive the gift. Very good. Of the Holy Spirit. The prom this promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all verse 42 all the believers somebody say all, all. devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and to prayer this is the word of the Lord amen Amen. Lord, would you open our ears to hear? Would you open our eyes to see Jesus? And Lord, open our hearts to receive your Spirit's work today. May the words of the preacher's mouth and the ears of the hearers today be pleasing and honoring to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to talk to you this week and next week about a devoted church. A devoted church. This year we're, we're exploring on and on and, and continually looking for what does a radiant people of God, what, is, what does that look like? Well, I think a radiant people are a devoted people. Now this word devotion, it is a noun. It's a thing. It's a substance, if you will. And, and the dictionary defines the word devotion like this. Profound dedication. It is a consecration, which when you think about consecration in biblical terms, that means to be set apart for a special purpose, to be set apart for God's purpose, to be more specific. It also means an earnest attachment to a cause or a person. It's an assignment or appropriation to any purpose cause, etc. It is a noun. It's a thing. A thing. It's, it's a substance. Why is that important? Why is devotion, understanding that it is a thing, so important for us? Because things are substantive. It's a substance. Faith is the substance. It's a thing. It's not a feeling. It's a thing. It can be touched. It can be seen. It can be heard. It's, it's an embodied loyalty to something. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. Faith is the evidence that proves something. What does it prove? It proves your trusting loyalty to a person, Jesus. Faith is this substance. It's, it's one of those important things. Now, we know from Hebrews, those of you Bible scholars out there, know Hebrews 11 says, without faith, without this substance, without this thing, you can't please God. Like, not possible. James would tell you faith without works is completely dead. Because the works are the embodied life of loyalty to Jesus. A, a belief is just an idea until it's acted on. Then it becomes a reality. And faith is a reality of what we're hoping for, longing for. So, so that means this idea of devotion. They all devoted themselves. This idea of devotion because the Holy Spirit came on them. They were baptized into the church. And from day one, the church was a mega church. 
I don't like them large churches. Well, get over it. You're not going to like heaven. (laughs) Day one, it began to flourish and grow. Day one, people were at it, and they didn't know their names and have name tags and couldn't all fit in one house. Day one, the Spirit was moving in a way that was compelling people to become devoted, to to act in faith, to, to demonstrate an allegiance and a loyalty to this man, Jesus. Uh, devotion, it is a profound dedication, a consecration, setting myself apart for something important, for a person, uh, an established earnest attachment to a person, an assignment or appropriation to a purpose. Devotion, a devoted church. Friends, devotion to Jesus is not optional. It's it's just not. Why? Because it's the substance. It's the thing. (laughs) Because without faith, you ain't pleasing God. Like it's, it's the thing that puts the smile on God's face. It's the thing that moves the heart of God. Faith is what moves the heart of God. According to your faith, be it unto you. Again and again in the ministry of Jesus, it was this demonstrated, embodied allegiance to this man that was compelling them to be devoted. Hey, I want you to come follow me. And they abandoned their livelihood and said, I'll follow you, master. Wherever you go, I'll go. And they gave their lives in devotion as disciples to follow Jesus. Agreeing with the idea of who Jesus is is something even the demons in hell have. That's what James tells us. That even the demons believe who Jesus is. And they tremble because they know his power. In other words, Following Jesus and having faith in Jesus is not really an add-on to your life to which you get to be the CEO of. Remember last week we talked about the gospel is simply acknowledging. Peter summarized it like this. He is both Lord and Messiah. He's both and. He's both Lord, meaning he's deserving of your full allegiance and loyalty and submission And he's Messiah. He's the one anointed who's come to break every bondage and stronghold and attachment to sin in your life to set you free, to make you whole. I was thinking this morning and praying, Lord, would you allow my heart to be made whole? Would you make my heart holy? And Lord, may my life be wholly yours. All of it, Lord. You you got it all. Friends, devotion to Jesus is not really an option if you're going to bear the name Christian, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to be someone who wants to see the life and the rule and reign of God flourish in your life. Friends, a devoted church is not an emotional response to something that's convenient. Rather, it's a decision that is made regardless of every circumstance. It's, it's a decision regardless. You devote yourself. No one can do it for you. No, no one gets to do that for you. I, I can't make you devoted. I can't bring devotion out of you. Now, I can lead you. I can teach you. I can show you the word. I can try to inspire you. I can bring you in environments like this where you can encounter the presence of God on your own and try to make it as clear and as simple and as obvious to take your steps in faith as possible. And by golly, man, are we trying to do that with everything inside of us. Our staff is fully committed to helping you belong to the family of God, become a disciple, and build the kingdom of God, taking your next steps each day along the way. We are committed to that as a family. We are committed to that as a church. But at the end of the day, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. So I'm told. Never really tried to get a horse to drink water. I've just heard 
that that's how that works. Like, I, I can't do that for you. Uh, notice, they all devoted themselves. They did it. They chose it. They acted in faith. They lived their They made the decision. It wasn't a cultural Christianity for them. It was a consecrated Christianity for them. A full devotion to him. Friends, you devote better with others who are devoted. When other people you know are devoted to Jesus, there's this added element of, of excitement and enthusiasm. In other words, you're not supposed to be devoted all by yourself, in isolation, by your lonesome. This is what the gathered people, I mean, from day one, 3,000 of them were like, we're in. Right? Like, let's celebrate. All right, let's go. You devote better with others who are also devoted. They were all devoted. Y'all see that? Verse 42, all the believers. You know what all means? I looked it up in the Greek because I like to get Greeky with it every once in a while. You know what all means? Y'all are going to be blown away. It means all. Like men, women, young, old, rich, po. Like can't even afford the O and the R, just straight up po. Like they all, they all, they all. The good looking ones, the other ones, right? They all. Some of you are like, which one am I? I don't know. That's up to you to identify yourself. They all devoted, they all devoted themselves. They were unified in their pursuit and purpose and devotion. You know what happens when a group of people become unified? The Bible says that's where God commands his blessing to appear. Psalm 133 says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers, sisters live together in harmony and in, in unity. For harmony is as precious, it's precious, as the anointing oil. Why, why, why anointing oil? Because the anointing, Jesus said, is what destroys sin. Anointing is what breaks bondages. Anointing is what set kept us free. Anointing is what opens spiritually blind eyes to become spiritually enlightened and aware to see who Jesus is. It's the anointing that does the work of God in your life. The anointing, a.k.a. the gift of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is the Holy Spirit's work that was poured out on Acts in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost that caused Peter to stand up and preach the gospel with boldness and clarity and simplicity and profoundness and personalness. And they all responded, 3,000 of them that day. They all were together. It is the anointing poured out over Aaron's head. He was the spiritual leader that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. Harmony is a safe, refreshing. Unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, where? Where the oil has been dripping down and pooling down and gathering because of the, the unity of the people, because of the harmony of God's people, because they all devoted themselves to the same common goal with the same passion and fervency and willingness to abandon and be consecrated. There, the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. You devote yourself better with others who are devoted. But friends, please, please hear me. You cannot be devoted without sacrifice. And by that, I mean two specific things. One, you can't be devoted without the sacrifice that Jesus made. And you can't be devoted without your own sacrifice. For it is your pleasurable act of worship to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You can't be devoted without sacrifice. Friends, the greatest enemy of your devotion and my devotion, please hear me, is not sin. It's distraction. 
The greatest enemy to your devotion is distraction. Devotion is not an addition to your life. It replaces things in your life. This goes against the very fiber of our Americanness that says we can have it all. That the greatest aim and pursuit of your life is happiness. I love our nation. I love our land. I love what we stand for, and, and I believe, uh, at least what we originally stood for. Um, <clears throat> sorry, that's, that's a side subject. I'm going to stay devoted to this topic today. Uh, <clears throat> like, like, like I, I love the freedoms that we have. I really do. But the idea of being devoted to Jesus will go against and cut against the cultural norms of our land. Because we say, just add it in. Oh, yeah, what's one more thing? Oh, I follow that God too. I worship and do that too. I, I, I'm a good person too. And we're just trying to add in Jesus to our already pagan understanding and wondering why so many people are like, yeah, that Christian thing don't work. It don't work because you didn't work it. You got to work it to make it work. I don't know where this is coming from. <laughs> Let me get back devoted to my notes for a minute. It's not an addition. We can't have it all on our terms. He is both Lord and he's Messiah. He becomes Lord before you realize that he's Messiah. John Piper hits this really hard when he writes this. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the tables of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do, when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it is a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife. The greatest adver adver adversary of love to God is not enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not the poison of evil, but the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself... The idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. In other words, if you can't identify the idols in your life, that's a problem. If you can't identify the things that get your affection, that's a problem. And it's really hard to see. That's why Jesus said it's really hard for the wealthy, the people who have it all, to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for those who have it all and are happy in their pursuits to obtain the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through verse 62, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, um, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man, he's got no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed. But then he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my, to my family. But Jesus told them, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I think that missionaries like Michael and Chrissy are great pictures of this. They like sold it all and we're like, we're going. And we're immersing ourselves in another land and another place to bring the gospel message. I love that about the missionary spirit. 
about the heart of people who would say, we're, we're, we're gone, we're, we're moving. Um, as we were coming back from Guatemala, um, I was sitting at a table with a, with a couple of the guys that went on the trip, and we, were be, we began to talk um, in the Houston airport just about different things in life and where we were at and um, just kind of examining some of the challenges of our own world and our own life as men, as fathers, as um, our own stories and journeys. And they're all different stories for sure and journeys for sure. Uh, but I became overwhelmed for a moment as I began to realize some things in my life that had um, been cut off, some things in my life that I've had to say, uh, maybe later, another time, the things that were valuable and precious to me that I've had to just say, God, it's, it's yours throughout my life. And I was overrun with emotion because I hadn't really realized how painful it had been to lay some of those things down. Which I think is both the grace of the Lord in the moment, but also the, the overwhelming sense of, Lord, I'll do it again if you need me to. I, I don't tell you that to make myself sound like a hero. I just tell you that as a moment of vulnerability to say, um, sometimes the things we say no to in order to be more devoted bring tears. And those tears water the soil of the seeds of your obedience that produce fruit and harvest that only God can bring in your life. The yes is always worth it. They were all devoted. It was a pre-decision that they made. They devoted. They were passionate. They gave allegiance and hope and passion. They didn't do it alone, and they certainly weren't able to do it out of convenience. It cost them something. It cost them many things. Friends, devotion is revealed through an audit of your time your talents, and your treasure. You want to know what you're devoted to? You want to know what gets your passion, your energy? You want to know what has your heart? You want to know what uh, you have devoted yourself to? It is the things that you spend your most time, the most of your talents, and the most of your treasure on. That's your, that's your devotion. That's how you, you take an audit of those things, and it will reveal What's in your heart the most? What you are devoted to is getting the lion's share of these things. Listen, listen, listen. To remind you of what John Piper said, the devotion to Jesus, it's not sinfulness that gets us. It's distraction of the good things that gets us. Can I, can I just say it another way? Being devoted to your job is really good. That's a good thing. Oh, you ought to be devoted but it can't bring about the eternal life in you. Everybody smile for just a minute. <laughs> Being devoted to your children is a really good thing, but it can't bring you eternal life. being devoted to the church is a really good thing but it can't bring you life for me being devoted to my profession doing what I'm doing right now is a really good thing benefits a lot of people I hope but this doesn't bring me eternal life are 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 you able to take an audit of the time, talents, and treasure in a way that says and reveals what you're devoted to? Be being devoted to hobbies and sports, so much joy can be found there. But it can bring you eternal life. They all devoted 
themselves. They took an audit of their time, talents, and treasure and said, um, we're going to devote to something better. L- listen, John 17 and verse 3, this is eternal life as defined by the Messiah, the Son of God. Are you ready? Here, here's what it is. I, I've read it before, and it's really, really, really basic. John 17, Jesus said, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. A relationship with Jesus is what brings the flourishing eternal life abundant of God. He's not a thing that you should sing about in your country songs. He is the thing that you consecrate your entire life to. He is not a thing that you visit on the weekends. He is everything that lives and moves and finds its being in your life. Having this relationship with God is the only way to experience eternal life. To know God. That word know is a Greek euphemism of intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's a a physical, experienced understanding and depth of knowledge that can only be obtained in the private moments, in the secret place of the Most High, of the moments of surrender where your inner world and your outer world are united in attention and affection and adoration. It's to know God. That's what it looks like. So the question then is, if this devotion is what they did, or it was the thing, it was the, the, the description, it was they devoted themselves. If we are going to have this same devotion to Jesus, to his mission, to his plans, if we're going to have this devotion to where our time, our talents, and our treasure are moving in his direction on an ongoing basis, we need to ask ourselves, how did they devote? What did their devotion look like? Well, thankfully, they describe it for us in these verses. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Teaching, fellowship and common union, and prayer. Teaching, fellowship and communion, and prayer. Teaching. This is what they devoted. They devoted themselves to teaching, to hear and learn through the teaching of God's word. The apostles were doing a lot of teaching. What were they teaching on? They were teaching the Old Testament and helping people see Jesus revealed in the Old Testament. And they were teaching the same things Jesus taught them. That was their teaching. This is where things like the Apostles' Creed came about. This is where things like the Nicene Creed came about. The Nicene Creed, we said it this morning at the top of our service as our, as our uh, 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 read aloud liturgy this morning, as something that we were reading corporately to remind us of where we are going and to, to stir up our allegiance to the one man, Jesus Christ, to the eternal God of the Father, to his Son, Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit whom we have received of that gift. It is the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to these teachings for us as a church. Our official doctrine statements of what we believe is the Nicene Creed. Because it has, it is not only ancient, it is orthodox, and it was anchored. If it was good enough for the early church to say this is who Jesus is, and these are the essentials, and this is what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus, we're in. And they anchored themselves to these things. And they brought them about in this way. My question as it relates to to understanding and evaluating your devotion to the teaching of God's word is simply this. Do you know what you believe? Because TikTok ain't going to teach you correctly or sufficiently. 
one message a week. Let's be more real. One message every three to five to sometimes six weeks on a Sunday. Ain't going to teach you. Do you know what you believe? If you want to know what you believe and you want to give yourself to the teaching of God's word, here, here you go. Read the Bible daily. Study the Bible often. And gather to hear it faithfully. And when you miss... Do you listen to the podcast? Go back on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcast and listen again. There's somebody I know in our church who told me several weeks ago, uh, Sundays when they miss, they listen to the first service, then they listen to the second service, on both of these things back-to-back on a Monday, and then by Wednesday, Thursday, they go back and listen again. Now, that's not because this is like the greatest message and the best teaching in the entire world, although it's really close. <laughs> Let's be honest. No. It's, it's because there is a hunger for the teaching of God's word and you and I devote ourselves to the teaching. I can't devote it for you. You have to devote yourself to the teaching of God's word, to the truth of scripture, to hearing and, and reading and studying and gathering. This is why we encourage you to buy a study Bible. If you're not sure where to start, just start. Maybe your first Bible ought to be this Fresh Start Bible that we have available for free out in the lobby. In it are little notes to teach you about things, to to help you understand a little bit more of the text. They're very introductory study notes. They are good for you to study and understand more of the scriptures. You can buy other study Bibles. My favorite ultimate study Bible is this, the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. You can get it in New King James, NIV, and NLT. I've been using that personal and study for a lot, a lot of years. There are other great study Bibles, but get a study Bible with some notes so you can begin to learn more than just being inspired on Sunday. That's great. But is it impacting your Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday? Is it helping you become devoted to Jesus, be devoted to the teaching? This is why we do things like summer school and used resources like Theos U and the Bible Project because these are available online for you to get into and we trust these resources. By and large, what they teach and what they're helping you understand are things that we think are really good and helpful for you to grow in your understanding of the doctrine and the truths taught in the word of God so that you can learn and grow. Write it down, Theosu, T-H-E-O-S, the letter U. Search it online. It's like a Netflix subscription for theology put in a way that people can understand. And it's really, really helpful. The Bible project will lead and help you understand themes in the scripture that are really helpful. They devoted themselves to teaching. Two, they devoted themselves to fellowship and communion. And when I see the word communion, I really want you to think common union. A common unity. Our common unity is found at the table where we take communion. It's Jesus. Jesus is what binds us and unites us and brings us all together. He's our common factor of commonality. You might not have anything else in common in life with the people that sit on the rows along you, alongside you. But you know what you do have in common? Jesus. Do you like Jesus? then you can get to like those people. Fellowship and common union. Fellowship is not chit-chat in the lobby. Fellowship is not small talk in the sanctuary. Fellowship is not playing pickleball with someone you like. Fellowship is not having a potluck in a smelly gym or a sketchy church basement. Fellowship is a partnership. The word for fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. 
It means communion, sharing, participation. <laughs> Those who do not participate are not in fellowship. That was stronger than I intended it to be. <laughs> it's a term that conveys a sense of commonality, solidarity, shared responsibility among households and individuals. That's what the word means. It doesn't mean eating food together. That, that can lead to some things. That can be a part of something. That can be an expression of some things, but that's not what it means. It's not having small talk on a Sunday. It's not, it's not fellowship. It's, it's not being able to look and wave and say, hey, I know that person. I know their name. They know my name. That's, that's great, wonderful, but that's not what it means. In the most general sense of the term, it refers to a shared conviction that manifests itself, manifests itself as mutual responsibility and status. It most often throughout the entire Bible refers to sharing resources, monetary and otherwise, with each other. Here at Faith Church, we do not have church membership. I believe being a part of the family and the body of God is not supposed to be like ha uh, having a Sam's Club card where you pay your dues and get certain benefits as a kickback. I believe being a part of the family of God and is not being a member somewhere, but rather choosing to commit as a partner in agreement for something, for a common unity and a common understanding and a common mission and a common person named Jesus. This is why we have Growth Track, to help you move from being familiar on the outside, understanding and liking the things in the church, and moving to a place of partnership in the church. If you have not taken growth track, can I just lovingly encourage you, quit dating the church and choose to engage in a partnership. Our church will always be a place where you can come and find encouragement, find love, find hope, get prayer. We will always minister outward. But if you've been around for a little while, can I just ask you to take another step and get to know us a little bit more and choose and prayerfully consider, God, is this our church? And if it is, I want to jump in in shared responsibility. I want to jump in in giving. I want to jump in in praying for other people. I want to jump in in leading a small group. I want to jump in and participate in the life of the move of what God is doing in this place. I'm committing myself in partnership to something. I'm not going to keep dating the church. I'm not going to just show up to church on the weekends after a week where it felt like hell so I could get a little taste of heaven and act like God is my fresh drug dealer to help me get through with a little more hope for the rest of the week. I'm not trying to have a rebound chick on the weekend called the church just because I've been dealing with bad stuff all week long and I need to feel better about myself it's not what the church is it's the place where we come in partnership together and your first step is growth track some of you have already taken growth track and he's like oh that was good I, I could have learned some things awesome thank you will you jump in and participate with the family well, I don't really need anything. That's okay. People need you. And you probably don't know who they are yet. There's a child getting ready to start second grade who needs someone loving and caring to sit in a circle with them on Sundays and help them learn about Jesus on their level. We have more babies than we've got cribs for and we need loving arms to hold them and speak scripture over them and help them grow in the ways of Jesus. So many of you, you know what I love about our church is we have a church full of devoted partners. I love that people show up on Sunday and they receive in a service and they serve in a service or they serve in a service and they stick around later to receive in the service and to worship together because we are devoted people. I'm so thankful for it.
koinonia, a partnership to this. They devoted themselves to prayer. This Wednesday is First Wednesday, a night of prayer and worship. Seven o'clock. It's a family environment. Doesn't bother us one bit. We're going to pray. We're going to show up and we're going to pray. Because prayer is the life source of an uncommon devotion to Jesus. Prayer. It's not just about First Wednesdays. It's about your everyday. Prayer. Connecting. Talking. Becoming aware that God is with you and near you. And you having communion and conversation with Him. Friends, I believe that the church is designed to be healthy and designed to be growing. I do believe that. But we've said it early on, and I'll say it again. Our goal is not to build a big church. It's not our goal. We have some plans. We have some dreams. We have some intentional action steps. There's, But our goal, our, our focus, is to actually help build big people fully devoted in their allegiance to Jesus. This is what we're after. Would you stand with me? Some of you today, you're hearing these words and it's stirring you. Some of you, it kind of has pricked a little bit. We have a prayer team to help put a spiritual band-aid on that. Be available right after. Love to pray with you on that. Some of you have, man, you've been through growth track. You've done the thing. You've been around this church for a really, really long time. But for whatever reason, the engagement maybe hasn't been there. You look around, you're like, I don't know half these people. That's cool. Welcome to the club. Not really good with names anymore. Used to be. Trying to get better. We have people watching online every week, and I, I don't know who, who they are. I pray for them often. I just know I'm, I want to be devoted to Jesus. And we want to help you be devoted to Jesus. For those of you that have been gone through growth track so far, I want to apologize because I wasn't clear about something. As a church, we absolutely have an agenda for your life. 100% I do. And it's that you would be formed in the ways of Jesus and that you would want him to take over your entire being and that you would want to give your life to him in loyal allegiance and love and allowing him to have your whole being that he would not be a side side gig, a side chick, but rather you would marry yourself to him as part of his bride. We want to push and we want to create tension because if there's any area of your life that is not submitted to his lordship, you will feel tension. We will be kind and loving, but I refuse to allow us to burn in idolatry because we have turned the good gifts of God into God themselves. And we will see Jesus lifted high as king above all else, beyond anything else. And oh, how I want you to love him with all of your heart. How I want you to love him with all of your soul. How I want you to love him with all of your strength. How I want you to love him with all of your mind. How I want you to love him as you love your neighbor 
just like you would want to be loved yourself. That's our agenda to this thing, is that we would become fully devoted to him. Come on, if you want to, if that stirs in you and you want to respond, would you just in this moment begin to open your hands and just tell God in your own words, God, I want to be devoted to you. God, I want you to be the Lord in all things. God, I, I, I don't want to be holding anything back, but Lord, I want, I want to be fully devoted. I want to devote myself to you, Jesus, as I learn from your teachings and I gather in partnership and common union and as I seek you in prayer, God, we, we want to be formed in your ways and in your life. Lord, you've heard our cry. You've heard our heart today. We just continue to speak and do a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we speak blessing over one another? It's up on the screen. Will you read it with me nice and loud? Ready, go. The Lord bless you. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, our team's available. You ready to take a next step? Growth track, water baptism, lead a connect group. Talk to our next step team out in the lobby. Go in God's grace and peace. You are loved. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub, faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.